Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Impact Drayton. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Ricky Wilson. I'm kind of the pastor here. Uh, I teach sometimes and do some fun stuff. So I'm super thankful for each of you, though. Uh, I'm glad that you guys are here with us. It's Mother's Day, which is exciting, right? I don't have any fancy poems that I want to read because I didn't want to Google it. And I don't feel like that's always very sincere. So I just want to kind of share some stories with you guys about moms, about my mom, and about some moms from the Bible. And I just want to make today an awesome day. So before we do that, we need to pray over our moms. So if you have your mom here, or you have somebody who is like a mom to you here, or a grandma, an aunt, whatever that may be, I just want you to put your hand on them, okay? And we're going to pray with them. So I'm going to give you all a second to find somebody like that. And here's the deal. If you don't have your mom, one will be provided for you. <laughs> we have plenty here. I know Sandra would love some more hands. My wife Sarah's back there. She ain't got no hands. So if y'all want to, you guys go find a mom. Put your hands on them. And let's pray over these awesome, awesome women, okay? So let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for moms, Lord. Lord God, I'm not really sure what you think you're above me, but like, I don't know why men lead up the church because women are so much better. But Father God, you have a plan somewhere and you're working together in ways that I don't even see. But Father God, women are just awesome. Father God, you have given them this amazing gift to bring life into the world. Father God, to take these old, saggy-looking babies, <laughs> form them into adults, love them well, wake up with them at 3 a.m., 5 a.m., and 7 a.m., and not slap them like I want to. <laughs> Father God, that is an amazing blessing and an amazing gift that you have given these women to nurture. Father God, thank you for that. And thank you for teaching them how to do that through your word, through the moms that you have given them. Father God, I pray for each of these mothers and for each of these grandmothers, for each of these aunts, for each of these people, for each of everybody, for these wives, whatever the case may be, Lord God. I pray that you give them an amazing blessing. I pray that you give them peace and that you give them comfort and that you give them strength. And Father God, when they feel like they're failing, when they feel like they've missed the mark, Father God, remind them that they are your instrument, that they are your tool, that you've created them uniquely and wonderfully. And even the mistakes that they've made are for your will. They're for your plan, and you will bless them, Lord God. Fill them right now with your spirit. Fill them right now with joy, and give them happiness, Father God. We love you, we praise you, we thank you for these women. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, y'all can have a seat. Like I said, I really, I really like women. They're a lot smarter. Oh, she took my bow. That's Ellie's bow. I was going to keep that. That looked good on me. And, uh... I really like women. Women are awesome. Like, I really do believe that they can accomplish far more than a man. Because for some reason, God gave them the opportunity to multitask where I can't. I can do one thing at a time. I can listen to one person at a time. But my wife can listen to me, Ellie, and take care of Titus and still know what I'm talking about. And I can't even listen to her tell me to get garbage bags. <laughs> like, that's how distracted I get. So women are just these amazing Amazing people that God has created because he knew that man needed a partner, right? Way back in the Garden of Eden, God was like, hey, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. You're not going to be able to accomplish all the stuff I got for you. Let me provide somebody else for you, a helper. And he provided Eve. And it worked out pretty well, right? 
See, everybody always says, well, he's the one who said. No, that's not true. Adam had just a big a part in it. So like the fact that God gave us this model and these amazing people to be our mothers, to be there for us. Y'all know how important mothers are. I slept with my mom and dad until I was five. <laughs> messed me up. But it messed me up in such a way, I remember when I was seven, I was wearing nothing but my underwear, sitting in the house with my four sisters. My uh, sisters are, the oldest one is nine years older than me, so she was like 16. And I was sitting in the house, and my mom had to go to the doctor. And I was like, I don't think so. I was like, because you don't go nowhere if I don't go with you. So I threw this fit for an hour, and then they finally snuck out the house, got in the car, and left. I figured out they were gone. Wearing nothing but my underwear, I ran out of that house, chased them half a mile down the road until they turned around. When I saw them turned around, I ran faster back the other way to my house. When I got to my house, my dad proceeded to get out of the car, chase me around the house. It was not going to end well, but I outran him because he was old and I was young. And I remember that story, and everybody in my family talks about that story because it was just me running down the road in nothing but underwear, chasing after my mom. Like I said, I slept with my mom until I was five, so she did not go anywhere unless I went with her. Like, I would throw such bad fits when she left. Like, one time we're at these people's house, like her friend's house. And she went in just for a minute and left us in the car. I was like eight. My sister was like seven. We'll be good, right? No, I'm laying on that horn. I'm like, she needs to get out here. Beeping that horn. And she comes out and she is mad. She would always say, you guys embarrass me. And before she would go in and she'd be like, do not embarrass me. And I'd be like, we'll see. <laughs> she would go in these places. And one time we were at their friend's house and she tried to leave with the friend. And so there were some sidewalk blocks. I was like six. I picked up the sidewalk block and I threw it on the other one, smashing both blocks. She was not happy. But she did not kill me. Because she loved me, right? Like, even with all of my crap and all of my mess-ups as an under-10-year-old kid, my mom was still there to love me, right? My mom was still there to be like, I'm really mad at you. I'm going to hit you with a shoe. But I still love you. I still love you. So as I grew up, it changed a little bit when my parents got addicted to drugs and things like that. But my mom was still always there to always love me. And some people say, well, how did your mom love you if she was addicted to drugs? And I'm like, well, she was always there even though she was somewhere else technically. She just always had this, like, love for me. And some people would say my mom was a bad mom because she got addicted to drugs. Well, the truth is she wasn't a great one. But I loved her because she loved me. Right? Like, I loved her because she loved me. She was always there. She was always there. See, mothers make mistakes, right? Like, y'all made some mistakes. Have you guys ever accidentally hurt your child? My wife has, and she feels awful. Like, she didn't, like, bust her in the head or anything. Like, she'll be, like, uh, pinching her with a cardboard box. Like, the other day, Ellie was in the room playing around. She was running like she always does because she's crazy. And she fell down and scratched her back on a cardboard box. And Sarah about cried because of that. It makes Sarah feel like that was what she did, that she caused that. Last night, Ellie fell off my chair and hit her head. And I was like, well, that's your own fault. 
And Sarah runs over and grabs her and is like rocking her and like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, well, I'm really worried if she has a concussion and she looks pretty good to me. So like, because she has to make mistakes, but moms aren't like that. Moms don't like to see their kids make mistakes. Moms want to see them succeed. Moms are a little bit different. They're like, well, you've got to figure this out some way. And pain is probably the best way. But moms don't want that to happen, even if it's something awful, even if it's something that's barely going to hurt them. They want to be there to hold their hands. We're in this series called Letters, and we're talking about text message relationships versus letter relationships. See, text message relationships are quick. They're easy. One word, right? One word. Send it quick. Get it quick. Letter relationships are intimate. You have to sit down. You have to take time to have a relationship through a letter. So this week, we're going to continue talking. We're in this, it's marriage and dating and all these things. But we're going to look at marriage and dating from a mom's perspective this week. So moms, think about this for me, okay? If you were to sit down right now and write a letter to your daughter or son about who you wanted them to marry, what would be in that letter? Like the type of person you want them to pursue. You're probably not going to be like, yeah, I want you to find somebody... Sitting down by a creek, who lives there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, find somebody who smokes all the time. Find somebody who's a Marlboro woman. Right? Like, you're probably not going to write that in the letter. Let's look at Ephesians 5. We're going to start in verse 7. And as I was sitting down and thinking about this and praying about this, I'm not a mom, remember. But as I was looking at these letters, I was like, man, this is probably what I would write if I was a mom. I know that my wife would write this, and I know that most moms would write this. So Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 7. It says, Therefore do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of life consists of all goodness, righteousness, truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds or darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even mention what they, the disobedient do in the secret. But everything exposed by light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and let the light of Christ shine upon you. And it says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father of everything, for Jesus is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray real fast. Father God, I pray that you would just speak in a mighty way today, that your spirit would fill this place. Father God, that you would pour it out in an extra and a special way today, Lord God. That you would move in such a way where these walls are rock, Lord God. Where the people who live in these mills, they hear the psalms and the hymns that we are singing to bring glory to your name. Father God, let nobody leave this place the same as when they walked in, but let them be radically changed by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So these are beautiful words, right? If, if you sat down, moms, and you were writing a letter, and if you have a small child right now, like, think about this. Think about this. You're writing a letter to your small child about the kind of person you want to see them with. Remember last week we talked about loving ourselves. If we love ourselves, we can see clearly the kind of person we're looking for. If we love ourselves, we can love that person well. 
So this week we're looking at what kind of people are we looking for. And who's better to pick somebody for their child than their mom? Unless you've watched any movie ever. Have y'all ever watched Monster-in-Law? Yeah, she probably wanted to pick Janet Lopez for her daughter-in-law at the beginning. Then it got better. But who's better to pick somebody for their child than the mom? Their mom knows it better than anybody else. The mom carried them for nine months. The mom has a special connection with them. So if you were to sit down and you were to begin writing a letter, what would be in it? Well, I think you would say that you want them to be light. You want them to make other people's lives better, right? You want that, your child to find somebody who will make their life good. Not darkness, right? Because if, you, if somebody your child is with is darkness, it's just going to bring them down. They're not going to be able to see. And it says that there will be things hidden that need to be made visible to light. So you want, some, you want them to find somebody who is light. Who is visible. Who's not hiding a bunch of things. Right? Humans' tendency is to hide things. That's what we do when we get scared, when we're ashamed or anything like that. We try to sweep some stuff under the rug and hope nobody will ever open it. You know what I mean? We try to throw some stuff up in our closet and be like, well, if I put it under some blankets, it's never going to be exposed. It's always going to be in darkness. So you don't want somebody like that for you, with your child, right? You want somebody who is light. Somebody who's not hiding anything in their closet. Because we've all heard, yeah, you don't know the person you're dating until you marry them. And then three years in, they finally show you who they are. So you don't want that to happen because that just leads to bad things. So if you were sitting down and you are writing that letter, you would say, I want you to find somebody who lights everything up. Somebody who walks in the room and instantly everything is bright. Somebody who just by the way they speak makes everything better. Somebody who can come up to you and be like, well, you're in a dark place. Well, let me shine some light on it. Let me show you. Because moms want the best for their kids. They want their kids to be with somebody who's going to light up their world. And we see some other cool stuff in there. It says, don't waste your time. You don't want your child with somebody who's going to be wasting all their time, right? Like just playing with Legos at 37 years old. Playing video games at night, like it's 40 years old. Be like, hey, come to dinner. No, I'm playing video games. I got to kill this dude. Like, that's not what you want, right? I mean, I'm not saying you can't play video games when you're older, but you can't play for 17 hours a day. Like, we got to get that straight right now. But you want somebody who utilizes the time, who spends time with their wife. I think that's true. As a pastor, it's really hard to utilize that time. Like, so often I am not present with my wife. Like, I'm just so busy doing other things, I forget, well, my wife, I need to spend time with her and my family. And I need to spend present time. It's a hard thing to do to find somebody who will spend time with you. And I'm going to tell you that spending time is probably not you each being on your phone. Right? Or one of you being on your phone. Even if you're talking to them. Even if you're like, yeah, I'm a great multitasker. And you're taking selfies of yourself and you're like, oh, yeah, really? Oh, that's awful. Oh my gosh, really? Like, you're probably not actively present with them, right? So moms, you want somebody with your child who's going to be actively present with them. Who's going to spend time with them. Who's going to love them well. Who speaks kindly to them. It says to speak in psalms and hymns. We've all got those people in our family who are just like really rough talking to their wife even. Like, you guys be sitting down and you're like... They're sitting there and they're like, there was a person in my old church like this. It was awful. He'd be like, hey, go make me a plate of food. And she's like making the kids like 17 plates. 
And uh, he's like, hey, you make me a plate of food. I'm not going to help you. Like, that's not very nice to say. Or he comes home and like, what do you do all day? Is that very nice to say to somebody? No. Most women are going to get up slapping in the face. Right? If I was there, I would slap them in the face. Well, I'm a pastor, so i got to be kind of nice. I would poke them with a needle. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. So, like, we want somebody who's going to be there and speak kindly to them. Tell them who they are. We don't want somebody who says, hey, you're worthless. We don't want someone to say, hey, you're a mistake. I wish I would have never married you. Why did I marry you? I don't think I love you that much anymore. You kind of suck. Like, you don't want somebody who your kid's going to be with to say those kind of things to them. If you were writing that letter, you would say, I want somebody who tells you who you really are. I want somebody who looks at you and says, you're the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my entire life. There is nobody better for me than you. Like, I would have only married you because you're the most beautiful person. You're the most kind-hearted person. You speak so sweet. You do these things. You're awesome. You can accomplish anything that you put your mind to. The Lord has made you beautiful. The Lord has given you these unique talents and these unique abilities. That's what you want someone to speak to your child, right? You don't want someone saying you're worthless or you've made so many mistakes or I can't believe you did this. Or every time they mess up, being like, hey, why did you do this? Or remember that time you did this? Have you ever watched any sitcom TV show, King of Queens, Everybody Loves Raymond, anything like that? The husband always says, well, I'm going to keep this for when they do something really wrong. Is, is that what you want for your child? You want somebody who is holding on to things to tell them to make them feel better? Somebody who's going to use their words to break them down instead of build them up. No, you want somebody who is going to build them up. You want somebody who is going to tell them they can accomplish anything. You want somebody who says, there's nobody in this world that I would rather be with than you. You don't want them with somebody who sent a message behind their back. Right? You don't want somebody that be with your child who every time somebody else walks by, they're staring straight at them. Or if you're at dinner and the waiter or waitress is really attractive. You want them looking at you and having dinner with you, not wishing they were having dinner with them. Like you want somebody who's going to build them up. Somebody who's going to make them feel valued. Somebody who's going to give them attention that they deserve. Because moms, if they're not, what's going to happen? This is what my mom would have said. She's going to kill them. And she was not kidding. She was probably serious. But, like, if your child's in a relationship like that, you're going to be mad. You're going to be upset. Every time. Have you guys ever watched Teen Mom? Okay. <laughs> Y'all feel me then. I love Teen Mom. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I've watched every single episode ever. My wife likes it less than I do. <laughs> yeah. That's not great, right? So on Team Mom, there's this mom named Barbara, and then there's a daughter named Janelle. Okay, I see how speaking y'all's language. So Barbara and Janelle are always at odds because Janelle is crazy, and Barbara is no better. And so every time Janelle gets a boyfriend, he's usually really bad. And Barbara's always like, no, he speaks to you this way. He, he's bad. And she puts some superlative words in there. And, like, she is just like, this person's awful. I don't want you to be with them. They're bad to you. They're mean to you. All these things. 
numbers tripping a little bit. You can tell that she loves Janelle. Right? Like, y'all, like, how can, like, she's a jerk. But for real, like, she cares about her daughter. Like, she wants her daughter to be with somebody good. She's so crazy because her daughter is always messing up. And she's always trying to protect her. See, so Barbara loves her daughter. Barbara wants her daughter to be with somebody else. See, you're probably going to do what Barbara does if your kid's with somebody who you don't like. You're going to call the cops a lot. You're going to yell at them a lot. And you're going to try to fight them. Son or daughter is in trouble, they be tripping. Right? Like, I don't want to mess with no mom whose son or daughter is in trouble. I've heard stories. I've seen the YouTube videos where they lift up a car. <laughs> it takes seven men to lift up a car, kind of. One woman who weighs 92 pounds, five foot one, goes out there and lifts up the car, grabs her baby. I've seen, like, stories of moms fighting like gorillas for their babies. I don't want to mess with no mom whose baby's in trouble. And I don't want to be the guy who puts her baby in trouble. Because I'm going to be scared. Sarah's mom was scary. She was also my best friend. But if I made her mad, I was scared. I was, okay, Sarah's dad is a hunter. He has a beard down to here. He is a machine mechanic. He kills deer and cats. <laughs> yeah. There's a cat on his property. He gets this trap. I'm not going to get into it, but I don't know what happens from there, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't release him into the wild. And uh, he is a scary guy to see him. One time he came out the woods all bloody, and I just had rolled up, and he was like, hey, come help me get this deer. I was like, what the freak? The first time I went to meet Sarah's parents, I was just fresh a Christian. I had just quit selling drugs. And he comes in the room and just stands in the corner. With his big beard. His international harvester hat. And blood on his hands. I was like the meanest dude in that town. I had almost killed like 13 people. And I'm scared of him because I know that he wants the best for his daughter. And his mom, her mom, scared me more. Because she looked me in the eyes and she said, you know, I expect my daughter to come back as pure as when she comes. I expect my daughter to come back as pure as when she comes back as when you took her. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and then she had the sex talk with me. It was great. And so Sarah's mom was like six foot one. Like, I'm not even kidding you. She was tall. She was intimidating. And she looks me in the eyes. She's telling me all this stuff. And I leave there and I'm like, oh my gosh. What am I going to do? These people might literally kill me. And then later that night, I went back and picked her up. But from that point on, I was scared to death of Sarah's mom. Because I knew <laughs> that if I did anything to Sarah, Sarah's mom would find me. And she would make it so I would never be found again. Because <laughs> Sarah's mom loved her daughter. Like, loved her. Like, would do anything for her. 
and eventually Sarah's mom loved me <laughs> and would do anything for me and became my mom. That's the cool thing about moms is they'll accept other people as their children. Like, how cool is that? Like, if you don't have a mom, there's a mom out there. She's going to love you just like you're their child. She's going to start telling you advice on your life. She's going to be like, hey, don't go with that person. Like, hey, no, no, don't buy that. It makes you look stupid. Like, she's going to start giving you advice. She's going to love you well. That's how amazing women are. It doesn't have to be their own child for them to love them. And grandmas, don't even get me started. (laughs) Because they've been deprived of babies for about 20, 30 years. They will take you and they will never let you go. They will wrap you up and they don't care who you are. That's how amazing moms are. So back to the point of why I started this. <laughs> so like when you sit down and you're writing that letter and you make a mom mad, you're, you're, you're thinking in your mind. Like you're writing that letter and you're thinking, man, what Ricky's talking about, if anybody ever does that to my baby, they better watch it. They better watch it. I ain't scared to go to jail again. You know what I'm talking about. Or go to jail for the first time, whatever, whatever case you're in. Maybe it's the 17th time. I don't know. If you're Sierra, I don't know. So, but yeah, so you're sitting down, you're writing that letter, and you're saying, I want somebody who's going to speak kindly to them. I want somebody who's going to love them. I want somebody who's going to be there for them, no matter the mistakes they've made, no matter how bad they've messed up. I don't want someone to look at them and be like, look at all these red marks you've got on you. Look at all these scars you're I want someone to look at you and be like, man, these person's mistakes make them better. This person's mistakes makes me want them more. This person's mistakes want me to be with them and to love them and to show them the same love that Jesus Christ showed them. In the Bible, there's this story of this woman named Ruth. Okay? Now, Ruth is such an amazing story because she marries this guy and he dies. And there's a, his mom's name is Naomi. And all of her sons died. She had two sons. They both died. They both had wives. Naomi goes to Ruth and the other wife and says, you guys don't owe anything to me. Go back to your families. And the first wife, she, yeah, she goes. She goes back to her dad's household. Ruth, though, looks at her and says, no, you're my mom. Like, if I go back, my mom is not going to be there. You're my mom. Okay. Naomi's like, okay, well, let's go back to Jerusalem. So they go back. They don't know where they're going to stay. They don't know anything. And Ruth sticks with her. (laughs) Ruth goes and gleans wheat from a field. That just means picks up like the pieces that they've already harvested. And Ruth is always there for Naomi. Naomi is always there for Ruth. And one day, Ruth meets this man named Boaz. And Boaz is a rich, wealthy guy. He's attractive. He's all these things. And he's actually a far descendant somehow of Naomi. And Ruth and Boaz, like, they hit it off a little bit. But Ruth's a Moabite and uh, uh, Boaz is an Israelite. So it's like it's kind of forbidden kind of way. But one day Ruth goes to Boaz and lays at his feet while he's sleeping. Really weird, right? But I looked that up, and basically that's nothing sexual, nothing bad, nothing like that. All it is is laying at their feet and saying, I want you to marry me. Like, you are amazing. Okay. So she did that, and Boaz wakes up in the middle of the night. He's like, what the 
Why is there this lady on my feet? And he looks at her, and something happens inside of both of them because they both love each other. And Boaz says, I want to marry you, but here's the deal. There's actually somebody else who can be your redeemer before me in the family line. So he's like, let me try to figure this out. So he goes to the gate and starts talking to the other guy. And he says, I want to marry. I mean, she's a little tricky. He's like, there's this woman named Ruth and her husband died and you're next in line and you get his land and all this stuff. He's like, do you want to do it? He's like, yeah, I want some land. Hook me up. He's like, well, Ruth comes with it. And he's like, well, never mind. He's like, I already got a wife. I'm good. And Boaz like, sweet. So he takes off his sandal and gives him his sandal and he takes his sandal. That was how they marked deals, right? If somebody wants to mark a deal with me that way, if you got a better pair of sandals than me, hit me up outside. I'll switch. I wear a 14, so. Probably not. Any takers? No? Okay. So they switch sandals and it's marked. And so Boaz goes back and he marries Ruth, a Moabite. I said earlier, Moabites and Israelites, they were kind of like at odds. Because Moabites were called garbage people, <laughs> basically, by the Israelites. Like, they lived near a dump, all this stuff. But Boaz, an Israelite who's wealthy, who could have married any Israelite woman that he wanted, chooses Ruth. Okay. That's great. Why would Boaz do that? Well, there was also a woman named Rahab. And Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab lived in the wall of the city. And the wall of the city was basically like the ghetto. Like, this is where all the poorest people lived. They lived in the wall. Because if attackers came up on it, who was going to die first? The people who lived in the wall. So the rich people actually lived far in the middle. And Rahab was in this wall, and one day these people come from God, and they're going to destroy the city. And Rahab takes them in and says, hey, let me hide you from the military. And they're like, why are you doing this? And she's like, because I've heard of your God. I've heard about how good he is. And she says, well, save me. And they said, well, God has given you his protections. Tie this scarlet rope around your window. Anybody who is within that window will be saved. Later on, they go around the walls and all the wall falls. Like the entire wall falls because God knocks it down from them going around blowing trumpets. And it's all knocked down except for this one little segment. Of wall where Rahab is with her family. Rahab comes out and she marries this guy named Perez. Now, why would Boaz marry a Moabite woman who's rich? It's because he had a really good mom. And his mom's name is Rahab. She was a prostitute. She lived in the walls of Jericho. But she marries this guy named Perez. And I like to think about if Rahab was writing a letter to Boaz. She'd write, find somebody who loves you. Find somebody who cares for you. Don't let what they, where they're from. Don't let the mistakes they've made. Don't let what other people say affect your decision, but find somebody who loves you. And Boaz seen how his dad loved Rahab. And so when it was time for Boaz to get married, he didn't go looking for this amazing, wealthy person who <laughs> would just be awful to him. He went looking for someone who laid his and said, I'm here for you no matter what. Is 
I love him no matter what. Say, and, that, and that's not saying that she was lower than him. No, that's not saying that at all. So don't have that perception in your head. She was just saying, I want to be with you. Boaz never would have done that if he wouldn't have had a good mom. Who taught him to love people for who they are. In spite of their mistakes. In spite of their brokenness. In spite of where they've been. But see where Christ is going to take them. My wife chose to do that. She had a good mom. see the way that you live your life. Your child's going to read these letters that you've written to them and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, my mom loves me. Sarah's mom, every year on her birthday, would write a letter. And she put it in this book. And when Sarah turned 18, she had this book of letters from her mom. And when Sarah was 23, her mom passed away from cancer. And now Sarah has these letters that she gets to read very emotional, just so you guys know. But she gets to read these every single year from her mom. How awesome is that? Almost you guys have an amazing opportunity to change the world through your children. The ways that you raise them, the ways that you love them, but bigger than that, the way that you love Jesus changes the world. Because let me tell you, we came from this line of Rahab and Perez and of Boaz and Ruth. Jesus. They were direct descendants of Jesus. Jesus didn't come from a purebred line. He didn't come from pure people. He didn't come from people who were wealthy or anything like that. He came from people who loved people. He came from Boaz and Ruth because Boaz was like the great-great-grandpa of David. How amazing is that? See, moms, you guys, through the love of Jesus Christ that he has given you, you'll pass that on to your children by the way that you live your life. Here's what's not going to happen. By you going to church every Sunday and taking them to church, they're not going to be great people from that. Okay? That's just straight up. Because if you're living your life however you want throughout throughout the week, but you're going to church on Sundays, your kid is not going to know who Jesus really is. They're just going to say, well, I go to church. Jesus throughout the week so that your kid loves Jesus throughout the week. If you're sitting in the car and you see somebody on the side of the road and you say, look at that idiot. Or look at this certain ethnic. They're so dumb. If you say that, your kid's going to say that. If Rahab would have said that, Boaz would have seen Ruth and she'd been like, I can't marry you, stupid. You're not as good as me. See, the way that you live your life is the way that your children will live your life. So writing a letter is a great idea. That would be impactful. That would be amazing. But the real letter that you'll write is on your life. And that's for all of us. See, that's for dads and that's for people without kids. That's for people who's going to have kids in the next couple of months like Cole. And that's for, like, all these people. And Bree? No. <laughs> I'm praying. So <laughs> when I pray, things happen. But anyways, uh, no, I'm just kidding. 
They're going to see that in all of us. People are going to see the way that we love Jesus, and it's going to change the world by the way that we love Jesus, or it's going to make the world a worse place. People think that laws and presidents and all these things affect the world. No, that's not what affects the world. What affects the world is the way that we love Jesus. The way that we love Jesus changes everything. The way that we love Jesus sets this tone and sets this wave and sets everything and it'll have a riptide on the entire world. If we love Jesus in an amazing way, if we love Jesus with all that who we are, if we are moms and we are dads who say, I love Jesus, I'm going to teach my kids how to love Jesus, but I'm not just going to teach them on Sundays and Wednesday nights. I'm going to live Jesus with them throughout the week. Then I promise you this world will never look the same. This world will be completely and totally and radically changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And it starts with one. It starts with one. If you're willing to do it, don't just say, well, the world's never going to be changed by me and my kid. Like, that's never going to happen. The world's never going to be changed by somebody like me. Yes, the world will be changed by somebody like you. I promise you. I guarantee you. If you go up to people and you love them no matter how they look or where they're from, and you teach your kids to do that, the world will be changed. Right? Like, the world will be changed, right? Like, straight up. It'll be completely and totally different. You, you, you sure? You feel me? Yeah? It'll be changed, right? Like completely and totally different. Like if you guys love people in such a mighty way, it'll be completely and totally different. See, this is Sue. Sue is, she's awesome, okay? Sue is a recovering drug addict, and Sue is just wonderful. Okay, I'm talking about Sue because Sue was crying a little bit ago, and I want Sue to know, hey, Jesus loves you. I've done this to her multiple times, but we gave Sue a car a couple of weeks ago. Like our church gave Sue a car. Why did you give a car to a recovering drug addict? Because Sue is worth it. Because you are worth it. Danielle, you're worth it. Sierra, you're worth it. Like, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You might have had a mom who didn't do a great job. You might have had a mom who didn't really love you well. Well, I promise you this right now. Find a mom who will love you well. If you need help, one will be provided for you. I will find somebody to disciple Disciple means walk with, live with, be with. I will find a mom who will love you like that. My mom didn't always look like she was loving me well. She was addicted to drugs all her life. She died of drug abuse. But my mom loved me with a passion. Even with her mistakes, even with her brokenness, she still loved me. See, that's how Jesus looks at us. He sees our mistakes, he sees our brokenness, and he says, well, no more. He says, let me cover this up, let me make you look good, let me, let me make all this go away so that you can follow me. Let me make all this sin, which is just a fancy word for disobedience, let me make all this brokenness, let me make all this pain, let me make all this hurt go away, and let me show you how much I love you. See, Jesus wants to love you. Jesus cares about you. Jesus just doesn't want you to walk up in this place and leave and live your life. No, Jesus wants you to come in this place, be transformed, and then walk in a way that love is shown and love is made known. Jesus wants you. Jesus cares about you. Jesus doesn't care about the mistakes you make. Jesus doesn't care about your past. But Jesus will use your past to give you a purpose that is far greater than any purpose that you could ever give yourself. It's not about the rules and the regulations. It's not about how many times you've sinned. And it's not about how many times you've asked for forgiveness. It's all about the cross and how Jesus Christ died for you. And he says, come to me. All who are weary, all who are laid and burdened. 
and I will give you salvation. Moms, show your kids where salvation is. Moms, show your kids how to love people. Dads, show your kids how to love people. Single people, show your nieces and your nephews. Show the world how to love people by the way that you live out Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? Jesus Christ took me, somebody with a messed up mom, somebody with brokenness, someone with sold drugs and almost killed people. And he said, well, you are amazing. I love you. I want to be with you. Let me have you. And I said, okay, Jesus, let's roll. That was eight years ago. Since then, Jesus has been blown up. Since then, I, never, I, know, I don't wonder anymore, well, Jesus, do you love me? No, I know Jesus loves me. No more do I wonder if my past too bad. Is the mistakes I'm making, are they going to send me to hell? No, I don't got to worry about that because Jesus died on the cross for me. And once I accepted him, he never said, he never releases me. He holds me in his hand or he holds me in his arm like a mom holds her baby. Right? Like you look at that baby and you say, you're going to change the world. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You might be ugly, but I don't know it. (laughs) And you look at them and you look into their eyes and you say, you're going to change the world. Nothing you ever do, no mistake you ever make is going to make me look at you any differently. Jesus holds you that same way. George, Jesus holds you that same way. Jesus holds you that same way. George, Jesus holds you, man, and you're a full-grown man. He holds you that way, and he says, oh, yes, yes. See, Jesus ain't a mother. But Jesus is a redeemer. We looked at the story of Boaz. She got redeemed by Boaz. Ruth got redeemed by Boaz. Ruth put this scarlet rope on her window. That was just a representation of Jesus. It represented this scarlet blood that was poured out for us. How awesome is that? That they were saved by the power of Jesus Christ before Jesus died on the cross. And Jesus loves you. Jesus wants you. Jesus, Jesus wants a relationship with you. He don't wait to keep going on through life, man. I wonder if I'm going to go to hell. He doesn't wait to keep going through life. I wonder if I've made too many mistakes. I wonder if I'm too broken. I wonder if I'm too messed up. No, Jesus is looking at you and he says, I want the best for you. I want you to enter eternity with me. I want you to be with me forever. I want to hold you forever like a baby. I want you and I want you to be with somebody who loved me and loves you. So moms, write those letters. I'm going to help you out a little bit. On the way out today, there's some journals. They have a heart on them. Grab one of those. If you're a mom and you do not get one of those, let me know and I'm going to order you one. Because I did not expect this many moms to be here. So I did not, maybe they did not buy enough. We'll find out. But I want you to take one of those. Start writing those letters to your child. Start writing them. Every time they do something awesome, be like, man, I see you playing this little piano and it's so annoying, but I know that you're going to use it to change the world. Or when you see them, I I was in, I was going to Myrtle Beach this week and I was at Chick-fil-A and uh, Ellie is the size of a four-year-old for some reason. And she is standing there and this little girl with her hair all beaded up and she was a black girl. She comes up to Ellie and she looks at Ellie and she does this and Ellie's like, who are you? But Ellie's like, she, for a second. And we walk up to her, and she does this to Ellie. And Ellie's like, oh, yeah, I want to love you. 
And Ellie wraps her arms around her, and she wraps her arms around her. And then her grandma comes up, and her grandma was tripping a little bit, but she started telling me all this stuff. I don't really know everything that she was saying, but she was saying something. And uh, she said to me, and she does her arms like this to me. And I was just like, yeah, let's hug. <laughs> and then she touches my heart, and she says, I love you. And I was like, well, I love you too. And I told her I was a pastor, and we started talking, and she's like, you know, people have made people like this. I'm like, you are right. I was like, my daughter just loves your daughter, and I just love you because my perspective on you has changed. I don't look at you and say, oh, you're different than me. You're not as good. No, I look at you, and I say, Jesus died for you. And we talked for a few minutes, and I remembered Ellie loved that little girl because I loved her grandma. Jesus loved that little girl, and Jesus loved her grandma. And Jesus loves you, so let's go change the world.